stating Barack Obama is possibly insane. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's April 11, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 190. This is no agenda. It's overcast here in SoCal because they've been chemtrailing again. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center on Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from the Buzzkill Lodge in the Pacific Northwest, I'm John C. DeBrack. In the morning to you, my friend. In the morning to everyone listening. Yes, we have uh, quite a plenty this morning. I actually tweeted it. Yes, I uh, I noticed. You went three, two, one. I guess I'm supposed to reply tweet with hit it. Yeah, three, two, one. Let's wait five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weirdest thing happened to me um, uh, yesterday morning. Was it yesterday Saturday? Right? Yeah. So it's five o'clock. Boom! I wake up. I'm like bolt upright. Because I, 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 I hear it. people are calling me. I swear to God. It's like someone's calling me. Something's going on. And, and 5 o'clock mean, is... Wait, wait, wait. You mean calling you on the phone? No, no, no. Just no hearing nothing, right? There's no noise. I just... I wake up. It's completely dark still. I, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, something must be going on. And because uh, I, <laughs> I can just hear people calling me. And I look at my phone. My, you know, my Twitter's exploding. I've got a million emails and everyone's like, "Oh my God! You've you've look what happened. The entire half the Polish government is dead. There's got to be something happening." And I could feel it. I could feel people actually calling me. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So I got. You, did you just watch the uh, the Star Wars movie recently? Uh, which Star Wars movie? Will they blow up Alderaan? No. Oh, okay. No. Why? Nothing. That's just, it was it's a scene in the movie very similar to your experience. Oh, really? No, no, no. It's it's it just it's um, it's the connection I have with our producers. So that's, that's uh, I I, well, let's talk about our executive producer and associate executive producer before we begin the show, which will, I'm sure, discuss somewhat, at least for a moment or two, the <laughs> tragedy in uh, uh, Poland. Just for a second, maybe. Or was it Russia? I think it's Poland. Well, no, the uh, the tragedy was in Russia, uh, but it was yeah. the, half the Polish government. Or let's call it uh, important Polish people, not half the Polish government. But yeah. yeah. Good sure. part of it. Yeah. The, yeah, okay. Our executive producer for today's show is uh, Eric Iloma, E-L-O-M-A-A, from Orange Park, Florida, okay. who uh, gave the magical amount of 333.33, which ah. will... He's headed for a knighthood, right? That's uh, the, with the no first comment. And, okay. Yeah, or second. We don't. I, I think one of <laughs> we, we do need to Keenan, check because after three, we kind of got to do a knighthood thing. Yeah, with a penny. Yeah. Um, Keenan Walker Watson from Kirkland, Washington, is our associate executive producer for, with uh, two hundred. These two uh, people can uh, now use this on their resume. You may continue. Keener Walker. Watson, I like that. That's uh, Keenan. Keenan. Yeah, Keenan. That's didn't I say that? Keener Walker Watson. You said Keener again. No, Keenan. Keenan. Yeah. Keenan. Like Keenan Ivory Wayans. Yeah. Keenan. Yeah. Keener Walker Watson. Right, but both two times you said Keener. No, I did not. You understood uh, Keener. People, no. You can listen to the tape later. No. This <sighs> part waking up is floor right in my cup. So. uh... 
We have no PR associate, although I do want to mention two people quickly before we congratulate our executive producers. Alex has uh, started something called the No Agenda Report at noagendareport.com, which is, uh, I guess he's going to start uh, writing a report. And uh, a guy who goes by the name of Big Dog uh, has found a novel way to promote the No Agenda show. Uh, he has created a screen name and is apparently actively promoting it on adultfriendfinder.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the screen name is Big Buy Guy 1955. And uh, apparently, all that uh, Big Buy Guy 1955 talks about at Adult Friend Finder is John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. So there you go. Yeah, as long as he's not hitting on us. <laughs> so all of the new listeners from adultfriendfinder.com, welcome to the No Agenda Show. <laughs> yeah, and, all, uh, all five of them. And we wanted to, <laughs> you don't know, man, that's a pretty, that's a big operation. Yeah. It yeah, is. it is. It's huge, but most of it is, yeah, okay. No, the, hey, come on, those, uh. Hey, any promotion is good promotion. Exactly. I have a promotional idea I'm going to talk about later in the show. So, uh, congratulations to Keenan Walker, Keenan Walker Watson, who is, uh, I'm sorry, who is our associate executive producer. Do, do, do you have that new controller when you blow on it? Does it just, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Eric, all of a sudden you Eric, get Alo thing? Eric Aloma is uh, our executive producer. Uh, so, you guys are uh, basically underwriting the show. We uh, appreciate it. You can put it on your resume. It gets you lots of stuff. It is guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, almost guaranteed to get you jobs and, uh, and maybe a couple of chicks along the way. So, please go out and uh, apply our strategy. Our formula is this we go out, we hit people in the mouth. So, um, all right. Now you probably, I assume that you got all over this airplane crash thing. Yeah, I did. Especially if you're hearing voices. <laughs> I wasn't just hearing any old voices. I was hearing voices of the no agenda militia. So, uh, I'd like to hear your take on it first, besides it being an obvious tragedy. Did what was your immediate thought when you, uh, when you heard about this? Well, I didn't think much. I mean, it seemed a little, it seemed suspect. Let's put it that way. And then there was an article, one article, uh, uh, uh that discussed the problems the plane might have had with the guy who was the chief maintenance guy who says that the whole plane was rebuilt less than two years ago. It's not flown that much. It's kept in tip top condition. And the maintenance, head of maintenance he says, there's no way that this that this plane could crash by accident. Yeah. So the just looking at because of course you know, you you want to flip on CNN, you want to look around and see what uh, what the general message is that's being propagated, and they always try the same thing. It's like, oh, it was a twenty year old plane. Uh, okay, that makes no difference whatsoever. It did have a complete overhaul in uh, December of two thousand nine. Which means that it mo most likely had to have was what is known as an annual uh, in December of 2010. This thing was. This is actually. This is not just like some old Russian aircraft. Which of course is what I've also. You know, you hear kind of. Oh, well, it was a 20-year-old Russian aircraft. Yeah, those Tupolevs. Yeah, but it's. Uh, this is actually a very high-tech uh, machine. It's a Trident, so it has three engines. 
this is an amazing aircraft. It can land on gravel. It's uh, and it, and it goes extremely fast. I mean, this is like this is the this is the plane you actually do want. They just took them out of commission in uh, uh, in Russia, but uh, I'll tell you, I'd uh, I'd give my left nut to have one of these. Nothing wrong with this aircraft. It had a lot of sophisticated uh, equipment on board. Well, the, the reports of so from an aviation standpoint, it's really weird, John. You know, so it's like, oh, it crashed in mist and uh, they didn't have an instrument landing system, which is true. It's a military airfield. They do have something called FAR, which is uh, um, an assist radar. And the and the and you know, this is just based on the data we have. The tower uh, reportedly told journalists, well, he went below the glides the glide path. Well. In that case, you saw him on some kind of glide path, so you know that he's doing something, and so it was some form of assist. And there were reports of uh, the aircraft trying to make four attempts to land because of heavy fog. We did a lot of work on the... Uh, yesterday, we all hopped in the chat room, uh, a whole bunch of the uh, militiamen and uh, and producers. And uh, in uh, in these, these, these Russian airfields, it's not easy to get like a, a typical weather report but we're able to get one uh and it turns out that uh the cloud base was let's see what is it uh it was 500 meters so that's about 1500 feet that should be enough as a minimum to land even if you're coming down through the crap and certainly if you have some kind of uh uh glide path you should be able to to land perfectly however the impact was not only way short of the runway, according to the data we have, but it was also way to the right. They weren't even lined up. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then, and uh, and by the way, the uh, the there's no. It's just hearsay about this four attempts. That's not what the uh, what the apparently what the uh, the air traffic controllers at the tower uh, said. They just said, "Oh, he went below the glide path. We told him not to land, and then he crashed." Um. Right, I, I got that one too. Yeah, that that was like okay. Um, reports on the ground because there were a lot of reporters actually waiting for this delegation to arrive because it was for this big um, this big big ceremony. Uh, heard explosions before there was any impact at all, and I just look at the the video if it's even real video of the real the real accident, and you know this is. Not a plane that clipped a wing and cartwheeled or anything like that. It's it just, but you know what? There's not enough data. It's really hard to, to look at it from an aviation perspective. But I'm just going to kind of rule out the, oh, it was an old plane. And when it comes to weather, I find it highly unlikely that any aviator would take that type of risk. Uh, if he really felt he, he couldn't land and would try it four times, it just doesn't seem right. It is, however, something that has happened in the past. With uh, uh, with Polish luminaries, in fact, it was uh, President. I think it was President uh, Sikorsky in 1943 who took off from Greece with an entire delegation, and his uh, his plane crashed almost after takeoff. And to this day, of course, still speculation about was that sabotage or not. How unlikely is that in a, in a nation's history that this ha- happens twice? Seems highly unlikely. Although, but based on the random number theory, it, it, it should happen more and more. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. 
So, so, uh, so, so of course you 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 know I go into my uh, my analysis mode and I'm like, okay, who benefits from this? Well, that's kind of the problem, John. There's so many people that benefit from from the people on this plane going away. So, just to reiterate, the president of uh, uh, of Poland, uh, they have a prime minister. And the prime minister was not on the aircraft. The prime minister and the president, actually not the biggest of friends. Yeah, the prime minister would benefit. The, uh, but then again, he might not because the, uh, this, this president and his twin brother, who was previously the prime minister, uh, were, falling, were slowly falling out of favor. And this may actually boost the fortunes of their party. Yeah. And it may actually boost the fortunes of his twin brother. Well, which is the it's the other freaky thing is that the uh, the now uh, deceased I'll just call him assassinated uh, president has a twin brother who's also in politics, um, and when you see those two in the picture, it's just like oh, it's just freaky. It just makes the whole thing kind of incredibly weird. Yeah, one has a mole. <clears throat> well, I thought they were completely identical. No, one has a mole. Okay, that's you. It's on their neck or something, or his neck, and it's like that's how you, people could identify the two of them. Although the other one could just put a spot there, you know. I suppose. Right. Fake so, uh, President Kaczynski also not very favored by the European Union. He dragged his heels, as we've reported on this uh, on the show for quite a while, on uh, ratifying the Lisbon Treaty. So, not not a bit, not 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 a lot of fans in uh, in the EU. Um. What I found highly interesting that Donald Tusk, who actually lost the election against uh, Kaczynski, uh, went to Russia three days early, actually hung out with uh, with Dmitry, you know, talking about all kinds of stuff, and they were photographed laughing, and they actually went to the official uh, ceremony in remembrance of uh, all of these uh, Polish soldiers who were killed uh, during the World, uh, Second World War. And uh, he was, he's a real adversary of Kaczynski, whose whole trip was actually kind of uh, up in the air. It wasn't supposed to happen. He wasn't really welcome. Uh, he wasn't invited. It's the Katyn, I guess you pronounce it, K-A-T-Y-N. I don't know. Yeah, he he wasn't really invited to that, and so was he. Well, let's go? let's was talk he... about that. Was you know the the, the celebration celebration the it was a uh, Commemor- an event, commem- commemoration uh, so, commemoration of a, of a of a essentially the Russians butchering and murdering a slew of uh, Polish officers uh, in the uh, moments uh, in a pre kind of in the, at the beginning of World War Two, uh, and it was a it was essentially. A, uh, it's considered the Russians don't even want to open the files on it. It's so so bad. Yeah, they, they, in fact, they are they are closed up still the files. Um, okay, so so those are all just kind of like. Eh, well, the, it, and then we have our banker. Well let, me, well, let me get to the banker in a second. I'm not quite there. Uh, so then we have the pipeline. This to me is. Uh, Highly interesting. This is the Nord Stream Pipeline. You've heard of this, John? No. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and Google Nord Stream Pipeline, which actually officially const- construction for this thing officially started uh, on Friday, the day before this event. Um, and this is a pipeline through the Baltic Sea. Now, you have to open up your Google Maps or your Google Earth to take a look at it. 
that goes from Russia directly to Germany, bypassing Poland. And there's been all kinds, of course, Poland was like, whoa, and this, including Kaczynski, like, hey, you know, Ru- Russians, you can't go screwing us. That the oil, you know, gas is supposed to go through our country. We're supposed to be the conduit here. In fact, he called the um, uh, this agreement between Russia and Germany the equivalent of a modern-day Molotov-Ribbentrop pact, which was the... Uh, the agreement between uh, Russia and Germany before the outbreak of the Second World War. So Kaczynski's been making a lot of noise. He also um, obje- uh, objected to the uh, to the pipeline being too close to the Poland's ports in the Baltic Sea because it would actually um, not allow for uh, deeper ships to come into port. I mean, there's a whole lot of political stuff going on here. And if you look at this pipeline project, N-O-R-D-S-T-R-E-A-M, Nord Stream, it is huge. I mean, this thing, it's a, it's a, I think it's a 10 billion euro project, which means it'll probably cost 30. It's a, Gazprom owns 51% of it. Then we have uh, two German gas companies own it. And of course, a piece of Gitmo Nation lowlands, the Chas Uni, owns about 9% of it. And oh yeah, everyone was showed up for the for the for the groundbreaking ceremony. Jan Peter Balken and uh, the demissionary minister of the Netherlands was there, and so this is a, a huge like middle finger to Poland, as we know. Now Russia is essentially providing a lot of Europe's energy, and he was against it for obvious reasons because uh, he's protecting his own turf. He's like, hey, you know, you're just cutting us out of the deal here. 26 banks underwriting this entire thing. And here's where we slowly get into the banker part of it. And Goldman Sachs, uh, as a part of this cabal financing the Nord Stream pipeline, just opened up a Warsaw branch, just so you know that they're in there. Have you finally looked at the uh, at the pipeline? No, I've written about it. The yeah. Finland's involved with this thing, too. You left yeah, them out. Well, yeah, it passed it. Well, who cares about Finland? They, they, yeah, they just know whatever. Now, may I just throw on top of that, um, U.S. Patriot missiles were supposed to arrive this month. This, of course, was set up, originally was going to be the missile shield, as George Bush put into place. Then Obama kind of turned that down a little bit and said, you know what, we're not going to do this whole missile shield. We'll just put uh, we'll just put a couple of Patriot missiles in. April was the month that they were supposed to arrive. And, of course, Russia not at all happy with having uh, a pro-U.S. Um, country with missiles right on their border, which is exactly where Poland is. So that's another reason that it would be well, very... Well, Poland's hand- not really on their border. Close enough. <laughs> within Patriot... There, there's, within- two, there's at least one country between them and Russia. Yeah, which ones? Well, Belarus, for mm-hmm. one. That's mm-hmm. the biggest... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I don't know, is it Latvia? What's that country just north of them, or Lithuania? Lithuania. But this is what's really interesting is the East Bloc essentially is expanding. Have you seen any of the news about Kyrgyzstan? I mean, I, I know that we've been really preoccupied with the WikiLeaks video and everyone's trying to pick that apart. Meanwhile, there's been a complete overthrow of the government in Kyrgyzstan when the, really that, that is the, one of the most important air bases for the U.S. to fly into Afghanistan. And uh, ad- admitted, the rebels admit, yeah, Moscow helped us out. And by the way, I saw, uh, I don't see protesters usually walking around with rocket launchers. It's not like the, the thing that is typical for them, uh, for them to have. 
So now we've got, you know, they've overthrown the government. Moscow is, uh, is you know, it's essentially uh, a hit. It's what the, what the CIA typically does. Now Russia just took back Kyrgyzstan. Georgia, I think, is next to fall. In fact, uh, the opposition in Georgia is literally saying, hey, if you guys don't watch out, we'll have another Kyrgyzstan on our hands. So there's all these things that are taking place, and I see Russia squarely, squarely in the driver's seat of it. And Russia, let's be honest, when, when they go out and they give somebody two to the head, they, they usually kind of make a big, big show of it, don't they? Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're they're not as um, subtle. <laughs> no, they like to get, you know. Generally, hey, you're at your house right now. Let me just go up there and just blow two on your head right here on the street. No, they're not. None of this suicide and stuff. They just kill you, shoot you in the back of the head. Um. So I was kind of thinking, well, it could be that. Um, you know, it, maybe it's opposition from within Poland, but then. I really look into the financial timeline, and I'm thinking, oh no, 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 this is this is way different. So you're right. There was a cent- the central banker, I guess, kind of the uh, uh, Bernanke of Poland was on board, and I'm thinking it might have been about the central banker, and not even about the not even about the uh, president. March 29th, uh, and this is all uh, links in the show notes. Uh, Polish Central Bank and the Ministry of Finance at odds over IMF credit. Now, let me just say that Poland, one of the few countries, has not really had a recession in Europe. They've been kind of floating through it okay. Finance Ministry said the measures of the central, that the central bank proposed to meet Poland's obligations towards the IMF were inappropriate and they could create significant liabilities for the state. March 30th, Polish Prime Minister... Calls for meeting with the central bank. The finance ministry, es- this is great, estimated the 2009 profit of the central bank could stand at about 10 billion zlotys, which is about three and a half billion dollars. But the central bank's governor, that's the person who's now dead, signaled it could reach about four billion zlotys. That's 1.4 billion. So the ministry of finance was apparently cooking the books and this central banker who I guess didn't get this central banker memo I was saying no 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 it's only going to be 1.4 billion we're, we're not making all that much money you know what are you guys talking about we don't have this great uh, this great profit you think we can use March 31st fresh signs of conflict between Poland's central bank governor and fellow policymakers on Wednesday Analysts said reflected a political divide at, in the 10-person strong monetary policy council in an unprecedented scene at the bank's news conference after its monthly decision on interest rates. Council member Anna Zielinska-Gleboka was passed a note by Governor Zipirek. Zipirek read the note. It said, you are not telling the truth. So this apparently happened live during a press conference. So they're like fighting. They're fighting publicly over the money, and it's billions of dollars. April 4th, Polish central banker says, just might quit over this profit thing. And then, of course, five days later, the central banker is dead. And we just lost John. (laughs) Or did we lose the stream, too? Oh, my God. 
So that was uh, either just to let you know that they're listening or to tell you to kind of move along a little bit with the point. <laughs> Takes too long with the details. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing is there's so many details. It's like where to start. There was every single reason for all these people on the plane to be taken out of the picture. Every right, single which reason. Very, which if you think about it, is genius. Of course it is. I mean, it couldn't get any better. Like, get everyone on board and just get rid of the whole bunch in one go. And they ah, bad weather. What can I tell you? It is. And, yeah, not only that, but but the genius part is that you you can't deconstruct it because it's like it could be any number of scenarios. Yeah. None of them very clear. Although uh, I tend to buy into the banker one. I think the banker one is good, and uh, and this Nord Stream that's so huge. And of course, that includes twenty six banks underwriting this project. Everyone's all goo goo gaga because Russia is now just expanding in the great game. They're rebuilding the block. I, I, I guarantee you. Watch uh, Georgia. Georgia will be the next, the next to go. We, you know. So now they're getting Poland back. There's going to be an election, which has to be called in two weeks. Constitutionally, has to be in place. I think in sixty days. You know. You watch. Uh, and by the way, the interim president is the is a former minister of defense, uh, and he's, uh, as far as I can understand, very pro Russian. So uh, Obama not doing too well on the uh, on the friend front. He's pissing everybody off, and the people that were his friends are getting offed. <laughs> it's not so good. Anyway, I've uh, uh, collected a huge amount of links that back all of the, these theories up in uh, the show notes at noagendashow.com under Polish two to the head. Um, and uh, I just got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm I think you're right. I think it is genius. The best thing they they could do is to do it this way, and it's not the first time it's happened with uh, with the Polish leader and or government. And uh, my heart certainly goes out to the Polish people because it seems like the um, uh, seems like Kaczynski actually was a guy that had his country's best interests at heart. You know, he just didn't take any crap. Uh, they also shied away from the whole swine flu uh, hype. Didn't really even I think he even said so. Like you know, this is bull crap. Uh, not you know, not wanting to take bailout money from the IMF because they didn't need it. They you know, the central banker seems to have been running the business quite well. Everything seemed to be working okay. They actually devalued the zloty against uh, uh, the euro and the dollar to increase their uh, their uh, exports. You know, it seems like they were doing a pretty good job. And of course, this rocks all of the European Union in general. The way they were operating. So um, you're right. Uh, good to have them all out of the way. Yeah, well, it's a reset. It's a reboot. It totally is. But, you know, we'll see what comes of it. I mean, the Polish uh, are so suspicious of Russia generally that I'm sure that they're, they're a buzz in the cafes in Krakow. Oh, yeah, of course. And And by the way, all the bodies sent to Russia for examination. <laughs> sent, yeah, sent that, to Moscow. Just, it's like, wait a minute. If your leader, well, just in case, and there's yeah. one living. <laughs> yeah, if your leader dies, it, no matter where, the, the, your leader gets sent back to your homeland. No, usually. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, we're taking him to Moscow. We'll make sure everything's okay. Yeah, you're right. Just in case, we need to like make sure everyone's okay. Well, that way they can go through their pockets and you know make sure they clean out the, uh, any information <laughs> you, that you might be so, in there. You are so cynical. <laughs> So to move off of that, but into uh, just a, a follow-up on uh, on the WikiLeaks Apache helicopter video, um, it seems now to me so clear that the entire and and we've had a lot of 
heated email debate with listeners and producers and people who have donated even significant amounts to to this show. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you're missing the point. It's about the cover up. It's about you know the. Oh, what are the other points people make? Like, you know, that's how, the main point. The main point is the cover up, and it was the journalists, and it wasn't an RPG. And I'm like, you know, there's first of all, there's this 50 videos of Apaches killing people on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I don't see anyone having to jump through any incredible hoops to decode the video. You know, it's, it's well. The other thing about this is that what gets it kind of gets me on this video. I, I kind of dropped thinking about it too much, but there was a couple of thoughts that came to mind with some of the people that wrote in complaining about us, saying that we are against the WikiLeaks, and it, they seem, you know, very dubious uh, kinds of of uh, attacks. Uh, you know, it's like how do you 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 got an Apache that you said is about five thousand feet away, yeah. uh, guesstimate. And uh, this taking a movie of this of this action, all you see there's very small figures, which essentially is a black head in the body, right. and uh, and then they have little arrows pointing to the individuals. This is the reporter. This is this, and this is that. How do they? How can you identify these people at all from the video? Yeah. I mean, how do you identify the guy? Oh, here's the reporter. Here he is being gunned down. You, you can't see his face. They're all wearing pretty much the same clothes. Uh, they all pretty much have the same black hair. Uh, I, I'm just baffled by this this by this positive identification that took place. It's almost like people, you know, this is again. It's like CSI the, Miami. It's yeah, like everyone's exactly. so used to the this. Meme. Yeah. The meme that has been created by these cop shows, which again, I'm say it, I'm going to keep saying it, and I'm going to say it again, has essentially poisoned the jury pool in the United States of America, and and is and is somewhat poisoning the 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 uh, anal- analytical uh, capabilities of the public in general because you can't do what they do on these shows. You can't have a blurry, uh, you know, five. Oh yeah, pixels. It's exactly. It's like zoom in. Ah, I see, I see the get- enhance. I see the reflection in the in the wing nut. That's yeah, I guess right. A reflection in a, in a in a in a bolt on the tire. That zoom in on that and enhance, and then you got the guy's you know picture with his tongue hanging out, and you know, and he's winking. I mean, you get well. How do you get this kind of detail? You can only create so much detail when there's no when there's zero information, which is the case most of the time. Exactly. So I did a little bit of research because you know what exactly is WikiLeaks, right? And um Without getting into it too deep, I just want to call this whole video disinformation and distraction, if anything, because who cares? This happens. I mean, forget about the human aspect, but this happens all the time. There's videos all over YouTube even of this happening. They've got this incredible, you know, like. You know, they know exactly who everybody is. WikiLeaks is is not like a, an investigative reporting outfit. They essentially take documents anonymously. They have technology so that it's spread out, so they claim, spread out across lots of servers. Uh, and then they uh, vet the information, which, again, I do not call investigative reporting. And then they release it. You know, it's it's more like a whistleblower service. It's not. It's yeah, not, one of our one of our com, uh, uh, critics said that, you know, these you're 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 throwing dirt on these great reporters. There's no reporting no, here. Zero reporting. And then so I'm looking around, and of course there's you know there's this whole war or war of words at least between Cryptome.org and WikiLeaks, and you know apparently these guys 
broke out uh, or, you know, they were part of the same organization and they, you know, it's like really weird. But then I found an interesting story on uh, Mother Jones, which I think does do some excellent reporting. And we've uh, we've actually referenced them previously and I always find it interesting when Mother Jones gets into something. And you kind of have to do a bit of uh, archive.orging on WikiLeaks because, of course, they they shut down a couple months ago. And uh, they came back saying, well, we need money, we need money, we need money, and uh, the site won't be fully back up online until we get money. And they used to have this, you know, like a whole, you know, the site was 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 really rich with archives, etc. All that's been been taken away, even the about page. Basically, now they just have an upload, and, and now it's called uh, collateral murder or whatever dot com or it points to the same page uh, but if you go back and look at the wikileaks so-called advisory board at archive.org uh, which i have uh, linked to in the show notes at noagendashow.com there's a couple of interesting names there i'm actually bringing it up right now and what mother here it is uh so julian assange is the the guy behind uh, WikiLeaks, and he's he was a, apparently a hacker in Australia. And if you read his own bio, uh, I love this. Born in Australia to a touring theater. Send me a fan. link. Send me that link. Okay, hold on. Uh, okay, we go. I'm gonna send you this link. Uh, actually, yeah. So this is uh, this is the yeah, there's a bio page of the. Uh, of the so-called advisory board. So there's Philip Adams, a broadcaster, Julian Assange, who calls himself, he calls himself uh, an, uh, a co-inventor of de- deniable cryptography. Uh, he became Australia's most famous ethical computer hacker. But then we have Wang Dan, uh, a dissident from uh, the Tiananmen Square, a, a Chinese dissident. Ben Laurie, internet security expert. Anyway, before I get off on get off on reading all the names, uh, Mother Jones contacted a couple of these people and said, "Hey, you're on the on the advisory board. Uh, talk to me about it." So, digital expert Ben Laurie laughs when I ask why he's named on the site. "Quote: WikiLeaks ale- allegedly has an advisory board, and allegedly I'm a member of it." He says, "I don't know who runs it. One of the things I've tried to avoid is knowing what's going on there because that's probably safest for all concerned." Laurie says his only substantive interaction with the group was when Assange approached him to help design a system that would protect leakers' anonymity. Uh, John Young, founder of Cryptome.org. Uh, wait a minute, that's not the one I wanted. Uh, but everyone basically that they were able to contact says, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not on that board. I got nothing to do with it. You know, the guy called me once, gave me like some, you know, I got a weird phone call in the middle of the night. So, you know, what is that about? Yeah, really? That's kind of interesting. So I like what Mother Jones has done there. And I'm just saying, you know, we got a lot of flack for just being um, skeptical. Just just one bit of questioning authority. You know, uh, we have to, uh, people who... Don't constantly question authority and they start taking things, you know, as, as oh, this is, oh, WikiLeaks, I've been told is this, duh, duh, duh. it's just great thing. Uh, I mean, you, ha- you have to question authority just constantly and, and not, WikiLeaks is, is it something that is held above this, this philosophy. Why does WikiLeaks get a pass? Yeah, they shouldn't. So Tashi 
Nagyai Kamikstang, a former representative of the Dalai Lama, recalls getting a cryptic email from WikiLeaks a few years ago, but says he never agreed to be an advisor. Noam Chomsky is listed as a volunteer administrator of the WikiLeaks Facebook group. This is news to him. I know nothing about it, he says. So, yeah, you know, it's like, and but you're, you're right. Why is it that they get a free pass from the, in, fa- in fact, from a lot of our audience? You know, it, this is brilliant, what it, however it fits in. I'm just not buying all of it. And, of course, you know, there's lots of people saying, oh, it's a CIA, Mossad front, you know, whatever. It could be. But yeah, it's just like just, just yeah, just you take- know. But that, I was I was under the impression that it could be too. But but this kind of amateurish approach to like naming names that aren't part of your operation, yeah, that's uh, seems that's, a bit. Uh, that's not uh, very uh, spooky, right? So, um, but I'm just like you know. But again, it's like it could be, it could be. But this to me is just like a Tiger Woods, Sandra Bullock, Jesse James for the uh, conspiracy theorists. This whole video, yeah. it's like, what does it matter? You know, press people get killed all the time, particularly people who There's don't been have... There's 140, I believe the number's 140 so far, in, in Iraq. Yeah, in particular, uh, press people who don't have the big words press on their flak jacket, which is usually a way to identify them. Right, we, had one, we have one military advisor who writes us every once in a while complaining about our, our crappy uh, uh, take on the military, and he mentions the, fo- the, the one interesting... Uh, he, he mentions the following, that typically uh, enemy combatants versus uh, civilians that are familiar, that are, in other words, Americans, people that are on, the, on our side in this, in this battle, if they see a, an Apache helicopter, they start waving their arms and drawing attention to themselves or maybe having a handkerchief or something to let the Apaches know. But hey, don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. And, and he, ma- he, he made mention of the fact that it's always assumed that anybody who doesn't follow this procedure is a dummy that is probably a terrorist that doesn't even know to do this and hasn't even been told to do it. And they just, they're oblivious. And so they are immediately considered uh, possible targets. And, uh, and in fact, these two journalists who should have done exactly that they knew with the ropes they were in for working for reuters if that was indeed them and in the video and i still have doubts about that because who the hell knows who's in this video five thousand feet away you know a couple of pixels i don't i'm not buying it so with the uh, arrows pointing and who put those arrows yeah. in by the way and how do you check that didn't everyone on the ground get basically slaughtered so who was, yeah. who was there to verify it i mean and these are really simple questions really simple now, of course, and, it d- draw, and again, who and the other thing is this video. There's another thing that bothers me about it. Uh, WikiLeaks tends to be a you know a whistleblowing operation. So you you send them the memo, they put the memo in, online, and people read the memo, and that's the end of it. Why is this thing so editorialized? You had the video, you had you know repeats of the shot of the video over and over, commentary in the video all over the place, arrows pointing to people. What, what where did this video come from? Did WikiLeaks produce it? And the, and the, and the yeah, and, and the, exactly, who put the arrows in? So the thing that, that people need to understand is that this is war. I mean, there, go ahead, go on YouTube or Google Apache video shooting people on the ground. There's tons of examples. And I, and, you know, I can just put some arrows in there and you'd be just as shocked. I mean, people walking in fields, done, they're dead. Guy walking, you know, oh, well, he was a bad guy, so therefore, you know, it's okay for I him mean, to get killed. I mean, the possibility actually exists that this video's already been out there. 
and then somebody got hold of it and then edited around it to make it, you know, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, they say they vetted it. I don't know how you could do that. This thing has been produced. It's a produced video. It's got commentary at the beginning. It's got wordage all over. It's got arrows pointing at people. How do you vet that? And at the end of the day, what difference does it make? We know I mean, you this made is that going point on. already 25 times. We I get it. Yeah, but I can't, I can't stop because I'm looking at the chat room and I see people continuously going on. Yeah, but what about the people in the van? It doesn't matter. That happens all the time. That's what war is. And the people in the van, according to our military guys, should have been waving off the chopper. Good point. They weren't waving anybody off. They were scur- sc- scurrying around, you know, so they're thus assumed to be the bad guys. So, they, so they, they blew up the van, too. I mean, I don't know. I think we should drop this thing completely because it's, it's wasting our time. You're right. It is. Want to hear a report from Haiti? A real report? <laughs> people are dying there more so than in that one scene exactly it's like oh but yeah but i texted ten dollars so i feel good about it i don't have to think about it nothing to see here i sent my money i watched the great music television show i sang along with the with the we are the world we are the children yeah now this is from wtop fm fm and they've got a guy on the ground, and uh, this is uh, about a minute and a half. It's You want to hear what's really going on with all the hundreds of millions of dollars that was collected worldwide? And the well, ele- are you, Sorry? Are you telling me that there's a reporter that's actually there, and he's going to report? Yes. Uh, oh. Del Walters, I believe. I don't know if he's the guy on the ground or not. Yeah, there's an actual reporter on the ground. So remember now, there's Clinton is the U.N. special envoy. He's busy collecting $11.4 billion to rebuild Haiti and, of course, have a couple of hotels and streets named after him and Hillary. We've got hundreds of millions collected around the world, wherever you are, whichever Gitmo nation you belong to. I know that you saw people participate. I know you saw this money being collected. Here's how well it's working. Rain has flooded Haiti's earthquake camps this week, scaring residents just hours after they were told to get ready for a more active than usual hurricane season. Downpours left half a foot of water inside makeshift tents. WTOP's Del Walters has spent the week in Haiti leading a group of documentary film students from Bowie State. Dell tells us he knows a lot of money has been donated, but is surprised at how little he sees being done, and that he and his students are seeing horrors. We've been in Port-au-Prince throughout the week, and I can tell you that what we have seen is an indication that as an international community, this is the best we can do. We are going to fall far short. We were at the hospital yesterday where, you know, the nursing home collapsed, and we saw a patient whose wound had not been treated, his wife said, since the earthquake. As she pulled back the sheet, you could literally see the flies that had started to fester and, and, and the infection itself as gangrene set in. Uh, it smelled terrible. So the international efforts, you know, that those hundreds of millions of dollars that were poured into Haiti, you just don't see them. Now, that's not to say that things aren't being done, but what it is saying is that it is not that big international visible presence. I, I always find it unfortunate when, uh, when a reporter does that. And says, oh, that's not to say that it's not being done, you know, always hedging so he doesn't get caught. Yeah, he's hedging. That's exactly what he's doing. He should say, as far as I can tell, nothing's being done. Yeah, really, because that's what he wants to say. But, you know, whatever. For whatever reason, he doesn't feel comfortable saying it. To be needed in order to make this this country whole. Well, what has to happen to make it better? I think what has to happen is that the attention span of the press has got to be a little bit longer than it has been so far with this particular disaster. And that's best comment so far. 
No, no, no. We've moved on to other stuff, more important things, like a shooting in a shopping mall. What the Haitian people are saying. Uh, a lot of people that I talked to were very offended that so much attention was paid to the missionaries from Utah that were in the jail and not to the thousands of people who continued to suffer. You know, yesterday we saw people that were still trying to dig out of places that had collapsed. The streets are still impassable. Picture the snowstorm, the blizzard of 2010, where people could not travel. Now multiply that by three months. And that's what you have in Haiti, where the rumble from the earthquake still litters the streets, making a lot of streets in and around Port Let's go back to that man with his badly damaged leg. Wasn't there somebody there who could at least dress the wound, clean it up? That's what scared me. The wound appeared to have been dressed once, but then it didn't appear to have had any attention. And you're talking about... A, when I tell you the amputee ward at the hospital in downtown Port-au-Prince, we're talking about a tent where flies can come and go as they please, and so can anybody else that wants to walk into that tent. So wh wh where's all these tents and supplies and everything and, uh, and this airport full of stuff? What's going on, John? I don't get it. Where's John Travolta? Yeah. <laughs> where's the, where's the, the Scientology church, mas where's church the Scientologist? Mas massaging people? They're not even there anymore. They've all pulled out. They got their press uh, mention, and they're out. They're done. Oh, okay, let's go. Hey, the, you can't drive in the streets. Why? Because, you know, the, the, the big bulldozers aren't there to build the hotels yet. Why do the work twice? Just wait, just wait for the guys who are going to build and do it all in one go. Yeah, let's get that's the same way people can die in the meantime, so we don't have you know, so yeah, you, can, you, can just, the you can just bulldoze them up. Yeah, it's a big hassle, you know, coffins, burying people. Ugh. Yeah, we just want to find a big shallow grave and push them in, and then we're in business, and we got the, then we have the the uh, crews that can help us maintain the hotels. Let's just listen to another. Now, this is by the way, we were on this from the beginning of the before the first stupid concert that there was this had scam written all over it, and I wish people would have our attitudes about this and, and cut these people off. Exactly. In fact, um, you know that uh, the, the weird word Haiti that that has been appearing uh, after David Letterman segments in the commercials. Yeah, on television, it just pops up the word, just the word Haiti. So I'm not sure if this is it, but there's something called the International Rescue Committee, which has a frightening acronym, the IRC.org. They use the same font and letter type. You can take a look at their website. I've also linked to it in the show notes. Uh, and I think it, it might be some kind of subliminal campaign somehow. It's uh, it's really weird. Well, let's just continue for like 20 seconds. Here. We saw babies in a, in a neonatal ward that we were told by the nurse that was treating them, most of them will not make it through the week. The the students that were with me from Bowie State University broke down in tears and had to be consoled. They were so upset with what they saw. I think that the international community has a standard that's not being met in Haiti. You know, is it impossible in a hospital setting to have an air-conditioned tent so that it at least if the patients are going to be suffering, they can suffer in some type of comfort as opposed to being out in the open elements. It rained last night. It rained terribly. And as we went to the refugee camp, we realized as we were laying there in the relative comforts of our tent and our awning surrounding that they didn't feel the same way, that the water was coming in on them. And it's the rainy season down here, and they're very concerned about disease. You talk about refugee camps and tent villages. What's the prospect for changing that? How long will people have to live that way? That's the thing I think, Bob, that, that concerned me the most, is that 
I remember watching the telethons where people were giving $5 and $10 to fix Haiti. We went by several sites, one of which was run by the United Nations, where large front-end machines seemed to be sitting idle. I didn't see any large, big trucks. I have not seen a crane dot the skyline of Port-au-Prince. The only thing that I've seen are people with yellow T-shirts on, with, marked with USAID, with shovels and wheelbarrows that are literally taking apart the buildings that have fallen by hand. I did not see this huge international presence that would seem to be needed in order to make Port-au-Prince whole. Have- exactly. Because it's not happening. Shyster show up and take advantage of people's goodwill and generosity. <laughs> no agenda listeners. I know you want to help Adam and John promote the show <laughs> and help them with their websites, but just send your cash. <laughs> George working for us too. Apparently. Yeah, I gotta get a better George. <laughs> so hey, it was uh, free, okay. So yeah, why so- is why is the why is none of this surprising at all? Well, what's surprising course, is that we... They're, they're, they're looking forward to a hurricane killing even more people. Of course, of course. This is it's basically a, lot a, a genocide. Yes. Genocide and, by neglect. And what do we all argue about? Uh, about some press guys. As a, you know, just in the grand scheme of things, I'm sorry. Well, maybe it's because they're brown that they don't count. Check yourself, is what I'd say. Check yourself. Well, the Ninth Ward is another example of genocide by neglect. Uh, and, uh, exactly. And by the way, it wasn't Hurricane Katrina that caused the catastrophe. It was the breaking of the levee, which happened after the hurricane. Let's do some right. clips, John. You sent, uh, you sent me some stuff. And, uh, I don't really have any great clips, but let's see what I got here. Well, I do have some, some drug uh, uh, things. <laughs> is this a pr- some- prestique that you bring him back? Yeah, well, there's a couple of them. There's a, I think it's a for level or level something, whatever it is. What is Le- it? Levasa? I think this is like, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one that has the weirdest, uh, <laughs> it just made me laugh when they have the, all the disclaimers. Uh, yeah, play it. It's a fish oil supplement, I believe. Welcome to the world of Leveza, where nature meets science. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, you may also have very high triglycerides, too much fat in the blood. It's a serious medical condition. Leveza, along with diet, effectively lowers very high triglycerides in adults, but has not been shown to prevent heart attacks or strokes. Leveza starts with omega-3 fish oil that's then purified, concentrated. It's the only omega-3 medication that's FDA-approved. You can't get it at a health food store. Leveza isn't right for everyone. Tell your doctor if you're allergic to fish, have other medical conditions, and about any medications you're taking, especially those that may increase risk of bleeding. Blood tests are needed before and during treatment. In some, LDL or bad cholesterol may increase. Possible side effects include burping, infection, flu-like symptoms, upset stomach, and changes... Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me hear that again. Infection, flu-like symptoms, wait, wait, or bad cholesterol may increase. Possible side effects include burping. <laughs> Possible side effects include burping. Nice. Infection, flu-like symptoms, upset stomach, and change in sense of taste. Ask your doctor about Leveza, the prescription that starts in the sea. It's Lobster Fest. <laughs> Followed by It's Lobster Fest. Nice. Yeah, I know. It's pretty funny. I actually left it on there for that reason. The uh, the burping thing, and there's also some change in taste. Yeah, if you're burping, you need to burp, burp, burp. You're going to have a change in taste. You know, you know, I read somewhere, I think I had in the show notes last week, that the FDA is now requiring uh, drug companies 
uh, when they do their disclaimer, they can't do like pretty pictures anymore. They're going to take a really close look at them. You know, you can't have like butterflies floating around when you're talking about anal leakage and stuff like that. People smiling and and what and and in slow motion running through a field of you know heather jumping because I feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, the drugs they push on us—it's so much better than heroin. I mean, why bother if you can burp? Why get yeah. high burp, burp, <laughs> and have a burp, change burp. in taste? What's wrong with you? You're, I, can't, I can't stop burping. <laughs> I'm on the Vesa. <laughs> Sounds like cervezas. So uh, there's another one there, Pristique. You might want to run that. We can jump on it. This yeah. is more standard. Is uh, no? I've been seeing these all over the place. Uh, the Pristiques. Uh, I don't know if I've seen this one or not. They're pushing the heck out of this. Must be selling I'm, like sorry, what's that? I said they're pushing the heck out of it. must be selling like hotcakes. Okay. Depression is a serious medical condition that can take so much out of you. I feel like I have to wind myself up just to get out of bed. Then, well, I have to keep winding myself up to deal with the sadness, the loss of interest, the trouble concentrating. Yeah, it's called motivation. <laughs> winding yourself up. I know, this is the doll, right? Where she's like, yeah. the, the wind-up wind doll. doll. Oh, I gotta wind myself. It's called being motivated, baby. Lack of energy. If depression is taking so much out of you, ask your doctor about Pristique. Pristique is a prescription medicine proven to treat depression. Pristique is thought to work by affecting the levels of two chemicals in the brain, serotonin and norepinephrine. Tell your doctor right away if your depression worsens or you have unusual changes in mood, behavior, or thoughts of suicide. Antidepressants can increase suicidal thoughts and behaviors in children, teens, and young adults. Pristique is not approved for children under 18. Do not take Pristique with MNOIs. Taking Pristique with NSAID pain relievers, aspirin, or blood thinners may increase bleeding risk. Tell your doctor about all your medications, including those for migraine, to avoid a potentially life-threatening condition. Pristique may cause or worsen high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or glaucoma. Tell your doctor if you have heart disease or before you reduce or stop. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. I got heart disease, just in case you hadn't noticed. Take your Pristique. Side effects may include nausea, dizziness, and sweating. For me, Pristique is a key in helping to treat my depression. Ask your doctor about Pristique. This is the stuff so, WikiLeaks should be pulling apart, man. <laughs> now, here's, here's, here's the one. This is what the, the FDA should be looking at. This is happy music at the end of this thing. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Do, I'm very do, happy. Do. Because I don't have to wind myself up. I've got it all in a little pill. It's all nice. Yeah. But here's the thing that bothers me about that ad. I mean, it's just pretty much, it seems like a standard ad with, you know, the person with some problem and then all this crap is going to, why it's going to kill you, this drug. Is the term right in the middle of it says, Pristique is thought to work by. Oh, really? Yeah, if you listen to the beast right at the beginning, they say Pristique is thought to. They don't know how it works, in other words. Hold they're, on, they're let, let me hear that again. The they have no idea. I want to hear that again. Hold on. Depression is a serious medical condition that can take so much out of you. I feel like I have to wind myself up just to get out of bed. Then, well, I have to keep winding myself up to deal with the sadness, the loss of interest, the trouble concentrating. Your man ain't boffing you right, baby. Lack of energy. If depression is taking so much out of you, ask your doctor about Pristique. Pristique is a prescription medicine proven to treat depression. Pristique is thought to work by affecting the levels of two chemicals in the brain. Wow, it's, it's, it's not even, it's actually... It's thought to work. It doesn't. They don't even know if it works the way they're trying to claim it works. 
Yeah, no, it's thought to work. They don't wow. know. They have no clue. Wow, words do matter. Yeah, mer- words matter, man. That's amazing. So who knows what this drug is doing? But it's even worse. It's like it's thought to work by. Uh, well, let me just hear it again. It's a prescription medicine proven to treat depression. Pristique is thought to work by affecting the levels of two chemicals in the brain: serotonin and norepinephrine. It's thought to work by affecting the levels of two chemicals in the brain. Wow, we think so. How can the FDA That's approve this shit? Guess. How can the FDA approve this crap? <laughs> hey, FDA, we think we think it works. Okay, cool. Yeah, here's we, your- we don't know what it does, but, it, but it was, uh, we, here's our theory. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We think it, meanwhile, the FDA is spending its time now uh, looking at triclosan, which I figured you might be able to help me out on this. Triclosan is uh, an ingredient of liquid soaps, hand sanitizers, dishwashing liquids, shaving gels, and even socks, workout clothes, and toys. Um, They say that uh, triclosan disrupts the body's endocrine system, and they don't know whether it helps to create bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Yeah, that's their big fear. So well, that, that antibiotics won't work if, the, if you have triclosan in your system? No, no. I think what they're saying is that uh, this, the, it might be like uh, you know, overusing a, uh, an antibiotic. Two or three bugs get by it, and, and they are the ones that survive. And the next thing you know, they're reproducing, and they're, they're going to be stronger than ever. And uh, so now they can't be stopped, I think. That's what my guess is. <laughs> hey, if you think that, it's good enough for the FDA. Hey, it's thought to work that <laughs> All way. you got to do is just think. Don't look over here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. I love that. Uh, meanwhile, Monsanto, Monsanto, our good friends, are uh, cutting prices on their newest genetically modified seeds to accelerate adoption which apparently will help boost their profit 15% a year. Mm. I'm not quite sure how that works. So they are so desperate to get their smart stacks and Roundup Ready 2 soybeans into the marketplace that they're lowering prices to, uh, I guess, thwart any competition of like, uh, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, nature. That's what it is. The world's best run company, some say. Fine well, underwriters of PBS programming. Yeah, definitely PBS. Uh, got a couple of real news stories if we want to do that or take a break and talk about who's donating. And now, back to real news. Might as well hit me with one. Uh, how about, uh, you know, that woman in the Kayla, you know, she murdered her kid, they think, and uh, now it turns out that they, this 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 mom uh who's on in, in jail essentially apparently talked about how she was chloroforming her kid oh right so she, she could go out and party yeah yeah cool so but i but i got this clip here that says chloroforming the baby and there's something in there that was i just thought was a little interesting what about b through y the practice is more common among young moms who don't want to be bothered by a crying baby it's well documented casey anthony liked to party and in discovery documents one of her friends even says at parties quote the kids slept through anything someone at the anthony home looked up chloroform on the web around the time of kaylee's disappearance where's the transaction 
Where's the uh, credit card receipt? We have forensic evidence that has been returned to us regarding the vehicle. She didn't just walk into Walgreens and buy chloroform. I just watched the news and heard everything that my mom said nobody in my own family is on my side wow okay there's a lot of stuff in this clip <laughs> yeah there's a whole bunch of just a little <laughs> clip <laughs> so first of all the csi investigations has uh gone in and checked her web history and she is, yeah she looked apparently up and that's something people should be aware of you can erase her history but she obviously didn't very few people know that their history, especially with Mozilla, but even with the IE now, is essentially everything you have looked at for the last m- number of months. Well, it doesn't matter. It's, Google is well, now tracking. Google is tracking your history, whether you're logged in or not. They keep it for like yeah, 18 Google, months Google, or whatever, right. or it's 90 days. What difference does it make? They're no, I thought tracking. it was a year and a half. I think if you're not logged in, they keep that. It doesn't matter. You believe him? I don't. Look at that yeah, Eric Schmidt. You keep it Shuster. forever. Yeah, your hard Shuster. disks are cheap. Yeah, really. So, yeah, so we got the, uh, and, but then there was uh, this, I didn't know this was like a common practice. They start off with that, right? Like it's a yeah, common- I didn't know it's the common practice either. I mean, it's kind of risky because chloroform is toxic. It's not good for the liver, especially for a developing child. I mean, I can't imagine it's, that. It's uh, like roofing your child, man. What's going yeah, on with that? Yeah, whacking the kid with some chloroform <laughs> to knock him out is ridiculous. And I need to go out. I, I feel like partying, John. John, I feel, I, feel, I want to party. Let's go, hey, let's chloroform the kids and let's go hit it. <laughs> you ever heard of a babysitter? So um, anyway, the uh, this woman we we watch a little bit of this. I mean, you can't not because this woman seems she's an attractive mom, but she has this callous quality. She looks like a psycho, and uh, you know there's a lot of talk about whether they checked her for bipolar disorder and all the rest of it. But uh, it just a it's a pathetic uh, distraction. But but I did learn something about the chloroform. Yeah. You mean the use of it? I ever smell chloroform around somebody's house. I'm calling, uh, you know, this, yeah, yeah. I would call oh, it. Yeah, yeah, call, but don't call Child Protective Services because then that's even worse for the kids. They, they might as well be chloroformed. Oops, there goes the stream again. Oh, Good lines. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You with me again? Yeah, you there? Okay. Yeah, we dropped out for a second. Today is not good. Hmm. Well. Anyway, so, so yeah, uh, I, I was just saying, don't don't call Child Protective Services because the kid's better off being chloroformed. Yeah, in fact, that's what's going to happen to this. The, the woman who's going to eat crap is the um, is the uh, woman who sent the seven year old. This is the other distraction story, very interesting one. She took a seven year old that she adopted from Russia, who was apparently a psycho kid. Uh, my wife suggested he had reactive dis, uh, attachment disorder, which is a uh, not uncommon for kids that were raised in orphanages when there's 100 kids in the room and nobody gets any attention or gets beaten a lot or beaten up. And typically a, uh, a kid like this would be one of those, you know, really endearing in the early stages, uh, the, the grace period. And then uh, maybe five months into it turns into the nut ball that he is. And this kid apparently is a fire bug and he was wanted to burn the house down. He was telling everybody he was going to kill everybody in the house by burning the house to the ground. And it, I guess it got bad enough that she just basically put some paperwork on the kid put on a plane, and shipped them to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> this one's no good. Send it back. I want my rebate. <laughs> so now all hell's breaking loose, and, and nobody is even bringing up any of the, you know, nobody is siding with the mom, and 
under any circumstances, which may be something somebody should do, but play the Russian adoption clip. A woman from Tennessee sparking international outrage by sending a little boy she adopted from Russia back to... International outrage, John. This is all over the papers internationally everywhere. I read nothing but this. Yeah, in Malaysia in particular. Moscow, but this is the interesting part. He was seven years old. He was put on board a plane all by himself with cookies and coloring pens in his backpack. Also inserted in the backpack, a letter from the adoptive mother saying she could no longer act as a parent for the son because of his violent and terrifying outbursts. Erica Lavin from WZTV has more on the story. Hansen is a registered nurse. She adopted her son last September. Local officials say she told an adoption agency as late as January that things in her home were going well. For seven months, a seven-year-old Russian boy called Bedford County home until his adoptive mother, Tori Hansen, decided she no longer wanted him. Bedford County investigator Becky Horde spoke with the boy's grandmother, Nancy Hansen. She gave me very limited information. She advised me that um, there was a situation with the child and that she sent the child back to Russia. She's the one that placed the child on the airplane and, and in turn sent the child back to Russia. Um, she wouldn't give me any information about where her daughter was. The child, whose family called him Justin, reportedly flew from Nashville to Washington and on to Moscow alone. He had a note from his mother explaining that he was violent with severe psychological issues and that she wanted the adoption annulled. On Friday, Tori Hansen refused to meet with the Bedford County Sheriff's Department. That's part of the difficulty of this case. We're here. How, why is he spending so much time on this? I'm wondering myself. There's a there's a hidden message in this story. Have we already missed it? No, I don't know what it is. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Do we have to listen to the whole thing? Or we? You should of... listen to it because it's kind of interesting. Listen to this this redneck sheriff for sure. <laughs> oh boy. And the child is in Russia, so you know it's hard for us to know where this child's been abused or not. He's half the world away. The boy reportedly told Russian officials that he was abused by his mother, prompting officials there to freeze all U.S. adoptions. Russian reporter... Oh. There's your message. Yeah, the story turns on the on the poor mom, who's a registered nurse, by the way. And, uh, which is, you know, so she has some knowledge about things. And that's probably smarter than the sheriff. But they, but apparently the kid who's, uh, you know, just a... He's, one of, he's a bad seed, I would think, it sounds like. And he, of course, plays knows how to play it. I mean, and uh, you know, who needs? I to be honest about it. I think people should be very suspect of pulling out kids from Eastern Europe, Soviet, former Soviet Union, or any place else where they have these huge, brutal orphanages that basically create criminals. Yeah, if they're not Manchurian candidates with embedded chips. Well, whatever. But anyway, so this is a big story going on, and I think it's this woman's going to end up eating. She's she. I don't know what she did wrong. The way I mean, the way she did it, she's so freaked out. I guess, but you know, this is going to backfire, and she's going to she's going to be the bad guy in this whole thing. And I don't see anybody coming to her defense at all. So it's the way it ha- it's what happens. All right. I've so got uh, I've got I've got a a pretty big. Uh story to talk about which i want to get to maybe we should uh, talk about some of the support we received this week first yeah let's go with some people that gave us uh, some uh, help this week uh, matthew donahue and walnut creek uh 
sent us uh, $139.90. He's clearing out his PayPal, which we recommend people do. He's going to do some more 66.66 donations, but he, he, he was irked by us criticizing him for, for the six, four sixes instead of three. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he uh, is Five going six to... Five sixes even better, by the way. I think six sixes. Yeah. Now you're talking. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he loves the show. Uh, angryfolk.com out of Pasadena, $75. His band, by the way, this is for you. This is a message for you. The, the Poxy Boggards, or Bogards. I think it's Boggards. Are, Boggards. Yeah. Is it Boggards? Yeah. Are performing at the Renaissance. They're like an Irish folk band. But, you know, it's apparently becoming very popular nowadays. Wait, so they're, they're performing at the Renaissance Pleasure Fair. Pleasure. Hmm. I wonder if there's some hot damsels there at the Pleasure Probably Fair. Probably dam- lots of damsels. I, I I might check that out. The Renaissance you Pleasure you're gonna Fair. Get a, you're going to get a will call pass for two. <laughs> nice. You've got to comp. That's even better than the, uh, that's even better than the donation. I get to see some uh, some some hot maidens. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, the you know those things are essentially uh, flea markets, uh, you know, with costumes, okay. and they sometimes have some decent food. Uh, Matthew Thomas of uh, Bruner, um, uh, Missouri, seventy dollars and eighty five cents proposal for a jobs patch. Uh, in other words. Um, Something. I think, this, I, think this, I think this relates to the Karma Club, which... Uh, That's the Karma Club we're going to go. Yeah, more and more people are uh, are finding out that uh, if you donate... It doesn't seem to make any difference how much you donate, but I have yet to receive some... Actually, I did receive one email from someone who has not uh, gotten a job yet after donating. But that's about it. That's one against hundreds who donate to the show and then through some karma, all of a sudden they get a job. So his idea, Matthew Thomas's idea, is to donate $70.85, which if you kind of look at it and you put you turn the uh, the seven upside down, it would be jobs in lead speak, I guess. 70 yeah. 80, 80, 80, 80. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Wyatt and Christopher uh, Lindhartz, and Jordan's from uh, uh, New Zealand, and recommends that we create a. Uh, and but by the way, they both gave fifty-eight in honor of my birthday. They uh, he rep- wants to push a uh, a vegan uh, group within the No Agenda Knighthood, and. Chris- <laughs> and Christopher, that, that's going to happen. And yeah. Christopher. Lind Hart, Hartson from Richland, Washington, uh, says he he wishes me a happy birthday, and, and you shouldn't get any of the money. What? It's a, it's a thought. Yeah, Frank Kruger of Seattle, Washington, uh, fifty-five, fifty-five, uh, longtime donor. He wants uh, a plug for his new iPad app, L Cars Reader. L Cars L C A R S Reader dot com. It's a blog internet reader. Huh, with cool. a nice interface. Check it out. You have you use that thing. Is it is it for iPad as well? Yeah. It's it for iPad. It's yeah. for the iPad, he okay. says. Cool. Cool. Peace P Sneaks, the Amsterdam Snakes. Uh, snakes. Snakes. P- Who is snakes. A, a founding or sustaining producer of the No Agenda stream, I believe. Yeah, he's a good guy. Fifty five fifty five. Eric Ortega, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, Ryan Lee and uh, Ashland, Kentucky, and Keith uh, McCulpin 
of Imperial Pennsylvania, all fit two nickels on the dime, fifty-five ten. And one of and Eric is going to test the karma thing for the job. So we'll, we'll, well he's he, gonna, but he, what do you mean? To, we're talking about he has a job. He has a job with us. But Eric Ortega? Oh, I thought you meant Eric the Shill. No, I'm sorry, you confused me. No, for not a Eric. Sorry, oh. Eric Ortega. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, Eric will be our canary in the coal mine. He'll be our test subject. Uh, one of many. Keith, meanwhile, it wants to shout out to his sons Austin and Zach, and he thinks the show is great. Which and he's right. Yeah. John Tucker, Omaha, Nebraska, fifty-five ten. Uh, don't forget the DBA. Someone needs to develop the link node connection of the new world order. It will be the DBAs. What is he talking about? Ah, uh, okay. Well, this is about the uh, the sys admins and the network admins that we praise, that I praise so much, who I believe will save us when the shit really hits the fan. Well, what's You're a right. DBA? A database administrator. Oh, oh, yes. oh yeah. Uh, by the way, I had a, I had an idea. Um, that I will talk about on uh, on the daily source code, so we can kind of break the conversation out. What we really need uh, for no agenda and the producers and our Minutemen and the militia, etc., is we need a push notification server. And the reason why is that this can then be used in well, certainly in iPhone apps, and then uh, I guess it'll also work in in other. But right now, the iPhone is like you know fifty million iPhones are out there. And that uh, enables you to send a message to anyone who has the, an app installed. And even if the app is not running, it'll pop up a, a message on your screen. So, you know, if something important happens, if we need something, uh, or if, uh, you know, what, whatever it would be, right? We can just, it's like a bat signal. And uh, it takes a little bit of server coding. So I'm thinking maybe we can get some of our uh, sysnet and, d- and database admins uh, to work together and create a uh, a push notification server. It's uh, just another little thing that I've been working on, on the side. Okay. Uh, Andrew uh, <clears throat> Laverick, uh, Billingham, uh, United Kingdom, 5073. And then we have Robert Alter, Mike Westerfield, Lisa Lang, Julie Lee, uh, who have been donating uh, on the night Regular, thing and the rest yeah. of it. Um, now, there's a couple lesser donations that came in, but I have to uh, talk about them because they're interesting ideas. Craig Peters, for example, gave $8. And he says, why $8? Because it's the price of that douchebag Sean Hannity's new book on Amazon. <laughs> I challenge all No Agenda listeners. Douchebag! I'm not going to buy that douchebag Sean Hannity's book. Send the 8 bucks to No Agenda now. Yeah, we'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. Not. Absolutely. Um, and somebody won a lottery, and they sent us the uh, the proceeds. And uh, I think there's <laughs> one more message, which is uh, some guy. Yeah, we got another one of these. A buck forty seven because uh, his card expired, and it was in PayPal. Somebody just gave it to us, which I recommend everybody do. Now, here I have a, a idea for uh, everyone who can not really give us a, a, a goodly amount, but would likes to like to donate. I would like to challenge every No Agenda listener to, to, to the, over the next seven days, go on at least a minimum of three websites that accept comments and make a, a pertinent comment to something or other and plug the show in the process. Yeah, with, a link, with a link to noagendashow.com. With a link to noagendashow.com, put it in there and see. see I mean, a lot of these guys will just ban you, you know, or you don't do, go to something you worry about getting banned at. But just find a good and find the bigger ones, you know, where there's a lot of people and plug the No Agenda Show uh, on there. Three, do three of them 
and I think we'll, we'll push our numbers up a little bit next week. That's a good idea. We've got a couple more things that came in uh, just the very end. And I'm not quite sure who this is from, which is hmm, from Lav2358. <laughs> Hi, guys. Just sent a donation of over $50, which is 33 pounds. The reason for this amount is 11 pounds each for myself and two fellow listeners, Adam Sayers and Dave Pelling. Both of them, Douchebag. hopefully either I'll make us all nights over time and they will contribute. Uh, correction, um, we received $220.22 to plug the website plugio.com. Apparently we m- mispronounce it. It's P-L-U-G-G-I-O.com, plugio.com. Hey, that's a snappy name. <laughs> plugio. Plugio. And then uh, interesting... Uh, Initiative from Brian King, who is spending $400. Actually, he says, I'm donating $400 to No Agenda. In lieu of cash, I've sent that sum to the Human Fund, whatever that is. Seriously, though, he didn't send it to the Human Fund. He purchased an ad on a giant electronic billboard on the south side of I-69 in Noblesville, Indiana, exit, (laughs) exit 10, So for the next eight days, starting today, Central Indiana travelers will be bombarded by your two big ugly mugs 24-7. That's evenings and in the morning, too, those poor bastards. And in honor of the first person to send in a link to video showing the ad in rotation on the actual billboard itself, I'll donate double nickels on the dime, $55.10. So you want to send it to i69billboard at noagendarocks.com. And he hopes to earn a PR associate in uh, residence uh, once this thing hits. I, I, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's very good. That's the kind of thing, a good creative uh, marketing and advertising, uh, guerrilla marketing, as it were, is is the way we're, we actually prefer. I think it's more fun, and it gets everybody involved. And I think, uh, you know, and people come up with good, I mean, there's, there's, there are benches that get, you know, like that where people sit to pick up the bus, you know, you can get stuff painted on there for next to nothing. I mean, there's all kinds that you can put things on the sides of buses. You can do graffiti if you, if you know how to do it legally or graffiti or even. otherwise. And, uh, there's a lot of creative things that we can be doing, but I think this week we're going to push the, uh, post three comments. Everybody post three comments. We'd be like, you know, tens of thousands of comments if we're lucky. And it'd probably, you know, get some people, uh, get some attention. All right. But whatever. Um, and we're kind of, I guess we're still kind of flat like last week if I just look at the numbers. Yeah, pretty much. But I think it'll pick up. Uh, noagendashow.com, org slash NA. And for people who are the, you know, fans of the No Agenda stream and you want to donate directly to that, there's org slash NAS. Or uh, as a backup, com slash NA is a uh, is an alternative site for people like in Russia who can't they probably aren't listening to this anyway because they can't get this probably won't get the stream either but they can't get on the uh, dvorak.org slash NA because of uh, whatever restrictions are on that site the, the, the internet's just being censored left and right it's ridiculous I, I do like your optimism John though for the past two months every time you I say well we're not really moving up you always say I think it'll pick up you always say that it'll pick up. it's not picking up we have more listeners i know that but it's not picking up 
Well, and, let's go. You know, one of the things that always gets us a few more, uh, uh, a few more um, contributions is when we mention to people that look, if you go to a movie twice a month, you're spending four hours, and you're spending about I don't know what in a 50 dark bucks. room with strangers. I might in a add. dark room. It depends on how how big the group is, but whatever the case is, you know, t- twice a month, you, you you'll probably drop fifty to a hundred dollars, depending. Uh, our show, we provide four hours a week of quality uh, information that you can use to clear your brain is is much more healthy and uh, and all we're asking is is you know what you're given to the theater owners which are uh, you know pretty much presenting nothing but propaganda to you so th- you think about it as an entertainment value so, so uh, that yes, people like and and along with that, free in the mix of the show notes, which are pretty extensive. And at the, bottom the show of, notes are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, show no at the bottom of every show notes for every episode, which you can find at noagendashow.com, There's a sign up form for our show notes email list, which will kick off very soon. Now we're waiting for a couple thousand people to be signed up before we uh, really crank it into high gear. It'll be much better for the SEO for our site, et cetera, because the, the show notes are just getting long, and it's like borking RSS feeds. It's just it's becoming too much because there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, so in the show notes for uh, today's program, of course, you'll find all of the links to the uh, Polish two-to-the-head story, uh, a lot of work done by your colleagues, uh, Minutemen, No Agenda Militia, a lot of people sent in stuff, so a lot of good work has gone into this, and it's there uh, essentially for free, but we do need support uh, to continue. Now, um, the Somali pirates, John, which I just want to talk about for a moment, uh, this story really heated up uh, beginning of the year, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And uh, we had, you know, it didn't start with a captain who was held hostage and they had this, you know, this like 18-year-old kid and they arrested him and they brought him in and then it seemed like warships from all over the world were going uh, to that region to go protect the the ships from the pirates, right? I think. Well, I think the the action, most of them. I'm I'm not sure, but I'm thinking most of the action took place at the end of last year, and yeah, that's when they yeah. arrested that guy and brought him to New York, and he was a big celebrity. And whatever happened to him? Right. So that was in December, exactly in December, uh, right around the time that, of course, uh, President Obama was getting ready to uh, to come in. And uh, but but what was interesting is that uh, the Dutch sent a, a frigate over there. They just uh, blew some more. I mean, we're talking about guys in rubber dinghies. Okay, they might have a rocket launcher, but still, we've got uh, battleships. And every nation sent battleships. The U.S., the Netherlands, uh, I believe Germany. I think even China sent a ship over. And of course, you're thinking like, well, yeah, you know, we need to protect our commerce there because, uh, you know, it's like these pirates, right? My name, we got some pirates. And it's basically, you know, a bunch of teenagers in a rubber boat. And, uh, you know, there's an insurance scam angle to all of that. But uh, more importantly, why do we now have, uh, and this is just approximate levels, 300 warships uh, off the coast of Somalia? You'd think that's a little overkill for a couple of kids with uh, with zodiacs, wouldn't you? Uh, definitely. So on January fifth, and there is now a picture in the show notes at noagendashow.com. There we go. The uh, Gulf of Aden Stargate opened up. No, oh, brother. And 
there's a lot of different information and I've just what I've done over the weekend is I've collected a lot of different pieces, interviews, uh pictures, videos. Now of course you're going to no, do a well, you should do a special report on this. I am going to. And I think on it's something the I, I'm going to do it on the daily source code uh because this Stargate which of course is located 7 miles down it's uh, in the seabed where there's also a base of some sort. I'm not sure whose base it is. An Israeli moon base. <laughs> now don't make fun of me now. Uh, the Stargate is opened up uh, January 5th. Everybody knows it. And the from what I understand from the research I've gotten so far is that there's a magnetic field that either it comes in or goes out of this Stargate. And what it does is effectively renders all weapons of mass destruction ineffective. That's the story. That's the story. Yeah. Now, this is actually not- the Stargate. I, I believe there is a Stargate. It opens up and what comes out? Fish. <laughs> Well, the picture of the Stargate is pretty convincing. And uh, and what's interesting, if you go on uh, Google uh, Earth and you try to look at that entire region, you can only look at the coast. All the water is just blue. You know, they've just like, it's like colorized blue. You don't actually see the surface of the water, so you can't see any ships or anything like that. Whereas if you go to um, the English Channel, for instance, and you zoom in with Google Earth, then you can see shipping lanes and ships. So, you know, I, I don't know. But there's, uh, and you know, there's a lot of people coming forward, uh, all, of course, of, um, you know, their credibility can be discussed. But I find it interesting, and you know me, it's not beyond the realm of my belief that there actually is something happening there. And I have to say, all of these ships, all of these warships for a couple of kids in Zodiacs, and then they hold one up, like, here he is, here's, here's a pirate, we got him. And you're right, didn't hear from him again. It just seems a little much. Well, it's an interesting theory. Uh, I found a cool video uh, that goes along with our Popegate coverage. Of course, uh, the Pope, he was uh, Cardinal Ratzinger before he became, uh, what is he now? What is his, what is his Popage? What is his He's papal name? I know. What is his papal name? Uh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> why, why wouldn't I know? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Pope Paul V or something like that, isn't it? So in 2008, August 24th, he, um, he comes out of, I'm not quite sure. He's coming Pope out Paul of. Paul the 6th. The 6th. He's coming out of a, uh. A meeting. I'll just call it a meeting. Maybe it was church. And a, uh, I think it's an ABC reporter comes up to him and starts asking him about, uh, you know, what is now the, the Pope Gate, uh, scandal, uh, about this, uh, I guess you would officially call it a pedosexual, not even a pedophile, about a pedosexual priest, um, who Ratzinger at the time, Cardinal Ratzinger, just, you know, uh, transferred to another station, another base, and kind of covered up the whole thing. And he actually winds up slapping the reporter. Now, you, of course, you can't see that. He slaps him on the hand. You can't see it, but you can hear the slap, and you can hear his answers, which are like, 
This is no time to ask me questions about this. Do not talk to me. Shut up, slave. I wanted to ask you a question about Father Masiya. No, I... Can you talk about... I'm not so informed about speaking this moment. This is even, I think, inconvenient in this moment to come to me. It's inconvenient at this moment to come to me with this question, you slave. Who do you think you are? There's a question whether you... In a moment. There's a question whether you... Come to me when this moment is given. Not, not yet. Well, we try to ask okay. you. Did you hear it? Yeah, it's good. It come to me, slam. There's a question whether you. Come to me when this moment is given. Not, not, not yet. Well, we try to ask okay. you. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I'm not yet ready. It's Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. There you go. He just, he just slaps the guy. I think it's Pope Paul for. I don't know. He just slaps the guy. Like, yeah, shut slap up. Him. Shut up. This is not a convenient time for me to talk about my cover-up. Shut up. Uh, some good uh, feedback from one of our um, producers who, uh, of course, anonymity guaranteed in this case, about the new shoe bomber and uh, what that could be about. Of course, we immediately say, you know, what the hell is going on with this? Why do we have this so-called guy smoking a cigarette or, you know, tr- you know then claiming, you know, the, the information was so sketchy. The first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to play some of the air traffic control tapes for you um, that actually kind of placed it a little bit into context. Uh, apparently, this diplomat from Qatar announced that uh, or made the joke that he was uh, lighting his shoe on fire while in the air because only 20 minutes after it happened, this is what went out on uh, air traffic control. We're ready. 1162, Roger. Reports that came out about 20 minutes ago that a passenger on an uh, airliner attempted to light his shoe on fire, and we are now required to broadcast to all pilots to uh, use extra vigilance and advise us if there's any anomalies down uh, in the passenger cabin. Go again, huh? Okay, thanks. Uh, we'll uh, we'll let the gals or guys know in the back. I, li- I like that too. Uh, we'll let the guys know in the back. The air marshals, who apparently have only arrested four people since they were installed. In fact, there's more air marshals who have been arrested for DUI and other uh, offenses than they've actually arrested on airplanes. Well, that's a good use of the taxpayers' yeah, money. It's fantastic. So, what is this all about? Well, one of our uh, anonymous. Uh, Producer says, a friend of mine is a is in risk management for Deloitte, that's Deloitte and Touche, currently in negotiation, negotiations uh, between the TSA and the Department of Defense for new Boeing technology. Says, my friend represents the TSA. We believe the Department of Defense is making TSA out to look bad. Everyone involved, including my friend who represents the TSA, wants the TSA to lose the negotiation because they're regarded by everyone in government and business as buffoons. It would be easy to pay a diplomat to light a smoke on a plane. Making sure the diplomat was Middle Eastern makes good headlines and TSA looks bad. I think that's an interesting angle. Well, the guy's an idiot for if, he, if he took a payoff just to do that because there's been too many instances. I mean, the original shoe bomber, uh, the, the, what's his name? I can't remember. He actually lit his today. shoe on fire. <laughs> who actually lit a shoe on fire? Got conked on the head by a by a, by one of the passengers with a uh, a, a fire extinguisher and and beat the crap out of by everybody else. I mean, one of the things we have to realize, and I think which is something that people kind of ignore when we 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 move toward a nanny state, is that people really can take care of themselves. They don't need necessarily, you know, all this this help from marshals. 
Because, in fact, if it wasn't for the passengers themselves on many of these incidents, it would have gone out of control before. You know, it was always a passenger nearby, the guy who, the, the crazy kid from Yemen. Um, it was the same thing. It was a, that Dutch guy who jumped him. Yep. And, you know, oh, you mean Yemen? Smart. Yemen, right by the Gulf of Aden? You mean that Yemen? You mean where the Stargate's letting out more fish? <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what? So, Even if it let out more fish, that's good, too. It is. They need fish there. We need fish. So anyway, so there's, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think this is, I don't think this is plausible. It's an interesting theory, though. Well, it's nice to know that the TSA is actually bidding on commercial projects. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, you got to do something to make money. But I, th- I think it's humorous. That I don't know who this uh, the, this anonymous reporter is, but the idea that everyone thinks they're a bunch of buffoons, I think, is borne out by um, the fact by that they are th- that they are buffoons, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, seems so. <laughs> You're running into some nice ones here and there, but it's pretty far and few between. <clears throat> Most of them are officious jerks. <laughs> barking at you constantly. I got to say, the ones that uh, that are at the smaller regional airports, uh, at least the ones that I deal with, Burbank and Oakland, um, they're nice. They actually, well, of course, they don't. Yeah, Burbank, Burbank and Oakland's a good combination. They haven't put the the, the X-ray machines in the right. Oakland airport yet. That's right. a plus. Yeah. I fly out. I try to fly out of there mostly, and uh, they're actually pretty nice in Seattle too. I haven't run into too many uh, characters. San Francisco's. They're very officious, and they, they take way too long to look. You know, they look at your – you come up to them, and they get that little blue light. I don't even know what that thing does. I guess it looks at some something on your driver's license because they won't let – you know, anyway, they, they put, put it at the, at the license. Yeah, what, sure what, what, is the, what is the deal with that? You know, this, that, that, that's so weird. I mean, what are they, they looking at? Or, they're, they not looking, no, the they're, not, they're not looking for anything. And by the way – They just make it look like they're looking for something. And then they hold the license up and look at you and look at the license and look at you and look at the license and look at you and look at the license and they say, hmm, looks <laughs> and like – And it's yeah. always that uncomfortable moment. Do you look back at them? Because if I look back, you know, I know they're going to see in my face like, cocksucker. You know, I always smile. I give them a big, phony <laughs> I'm sure smile. You do. I, yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting here, what's really interesting, something changed in the procedure, which I was thinking about the other day. It used to be – You'd hit that first person in the mouth. Um, so they do the blue light. They check it. And then they would write something. You know, basically, they just like sign their name now. But they used to write a little check mark or SSSS, which meant secondary screening. And then before you would go through the metal detector, you would have to show your boarding card to another agent who then would say, oh, wait a minute. This guy's been tagged. Let's give him a secondary but now they just put their signature on it like they're signing autographs uh, like they're a rock star and uh, and no one looks at your boarding pass anymore. So who is doing the actual profiling? I mean if, the, if so what is the purpose of that signature other than to cover their own ass like this guy was checked? I mean it, it, do you remember you know what I mean John? It used to be like they, they would write a check mark you had to show that to someone else oh, and I then would- you could go through. I think it's still up for grabs because I was last couple of times I've flown. There's one of them like scribbled all over the one. There was somebody at Oakland, as a matter of fact, scribbled all over, circled this, circled that, checked this, and then and just, it made a mess out of the thing. <laughs> because it's it's like scribbling on the menu at McDonald's when you're eating a Happy Meal. It makes no sense. They're just there to scribble. In fact, they probably can't write. They just scribble. And so the next thing, and the other thing that, by the way, that they changed is that there used to be a process where you kept your, keep your boarding pass, keep your boarding pass, keep yeah, your boarding pass. and then pass. the other one says, you don't need your boarding pass, put it through. 
And the uh, and they would. I remember getting checked for the boarding pass after walking through the metal detector. You get your boarding pass, and you know, and you say, "Yeah, here." And they look at it, and then yeah. they. It's like I was just checked a minute ago. I mean, you think I'm switching boarding passes with who? They don't do that anymore. I'm telling no, you, no, they that, don't. They don't, don't do that anymore. You got another clip, or uh, what do you want to do? Well, let's see. Do I? It's not up on the screen. Uh, then uh, while you're looking for that. Um, Interesting article in uh, San Diego News about, uh, which kind of, in a way, back up my earthquake machine uh, theories, talking about the weird cloud patterns before earthquakes. <clears throat> and they've got uh, a number of pictures, including a beautiful picture uh, over Carmel Valley five days before the Baja California earthquake. And it's a sky that I've never seen before. Cloud formations that, by the way, look very reminiscent of those weird radar um, that you call interferences over Australia that we've been seeing for the past couple months. Kind of circular, uh, more like ninja star. Um, and you've got to think if somehow, you know, that may not be related to HARP, where, uh, you know, the signals are sent and bounced and maybe it's done ahead of time. I, mean, I don't know. It's just, but it's, I'm seeing more mainstream news. Sorry, it's the Union Tribune. I'm seeing more mainstream news picking up on this. Mm. Uh, on these weird, you know, of course we had reports in, in Chile. You know, the sky was uh, all kinds of strange colors, weird cloud formations. Yeah, that could be from the piezoelectric effect. Yeah, but this is five days. B oh, you mean from HARP? No, or, not from harp. <laughs> from the ground moving. No, but this is uh, five days before. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Maybe these things. I mean, they think the, the frogs go nuts a few days or the day before. They don't do it just a minute before. Do you actually believe ever believe in any of this stuff? No, not really. I do believe in the in the theory that harp is being used as a as a as a transmission a, a way to to speed up uh, global transmissions of radio signals. I kind of buy into that. What does that let's mean? Go to, let's go to a clip. Okay. I, I, there's, because a new terminology has cropped up. This should have followed the clip with the TSA because I, I find a new cop term in this clip. And this is a non-story that I picked up, up uh, in the, from one of the Seattle uh, news stations. A total non-story. Completely non ridiculous. But what fascinated me was the new term. Hit it. It's, oh, I'm sorry. It's what? Man without bomb. No, I didn't know which one to play. Yeah, man, with a, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just guessing, like, maybe this one? <laughs> All right. What looked like a bomb in Spokane Valley ended up being household items strapped together with duct tape. Police tried to negotiate. Wait, it was about you. That's how you travel. Always. <laughs> household items with duct tape. Strapped together with duct tape. Police tried to negotiate with a man who had that device strapped to his chest. They eventually got him to strip, and then it was determined it was nothing dangerous. He had something on his chest. Um, he was obviously having some kind of mental episode. We divorced him from that item. We're taking him to the hospital to be evaluated. The man was not arrested, and no charges will be filed. Okay. And Have you ever heard that term before? We divorced him from the <laughs> item. <laughs> I'm going through that myself right now. I'm trying to divorce myself from an item. Now that's we divorced him. It's about a cop term. We divorced him from his weapon. I well, didn't know he was married to the weapon. 
what is the actual definition of divorce? Is that well, only, only in, the, in, the, in this term? It means separate. <laughs> I guess it's it, it's probably a proper term, but this is you're right. I think this is like typical. Um, yeah, you know, typical cops, cops stuff, trying to know, sound like they to have sound a good. Yeah, like uh, yeah, we've divorced him. Uh, divorce noun one: the legal disillusion of marriage. Two: a complete or radical severance of closely connected things. Yeah. Well, they get something taped to you with duct tape is pretty closely connected. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. So they uh, just uh, hit in Gitmo Nation East for a second, right in the mouth. Of course, they uh, rammed through this uh, digital uh, digital economy bill, which uh, pretty much uh, pretty much closes down the internet whenever. Uh, well, it's just it's that's it. It's over. You might as well you might as well move out of the country if you want to have internet pretty soon. Uh, people will have to get new routers, which of course will have back doors. If you're uh, caught downloading illegal stuff, then uh, you can get cut off and you can't get an internet connection. Of course, it's going to kill the whole concept of open Wi-Fi and internet cafes. But uh, the Right Honorable Stephen Timms, who is the United Kingdom's Minister for Digital Britain, who is uh, apparently the guy behind this digital economy bill, uh, sent a letter to another member of parliament explaining why the digital economy bill needs to go forward. And I'd just like to read this to you because this is Mr. Digital Britain, the guy who understands it all. It reads in part, quote, Copyright owners are currently able to go online, look for material to which they hold the copyright, and identify unauthorized sources for that material. They can then seek to download a copy of that material and in so doing, capture information about the source, including the intellectual property address. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, he means IP address. Oh, you're kidding. He, so of course, <laughs> that it, is too funny. Which is internet protocol, except he writes the intellectual property address, which shows you how these guys are thinking. It, well, no, it shows you what boneheads they are. This is like the you know the Vivek Kundra thing that I always complain bitterly about. <laughs> they don't know anything. They're bullshitters. Yeah. Yet they rammed this bill through with like they let forty guys in and kept the rest out, or the middle of the night, or however they did it. Yeah, we got to sign. Oh yeah, this sounds good. This sounds good. Let, uh, let's sign that. Intellectual property address. <laughs> what a douche, huh? Unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. And uh, something we just can't overlook. I know we've talked about it, but it, it keeps coming back in the news. And it's it's really just not being analyzed by anyone. Everyone should be up in arms about this. That uh, there is now apparently executive privilege to go and kill American citizens without pro due process. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about this, too. So this is about uh, Anwar. This is Al murder. Yeah, Isn't of course this murder? it is. Yeah, well, this is like, yeah, murder. It's like well, this is like what they did with Gary Weaver, which is a guy we have to always remember. Uh, you know, some sharpshooter, they know who he is. The FBI went to raid this guy's camp because he was a tax protester and kind of a screwball. And they go shoot his wife dead, the sniper. Right next Shoots to him. Right next to him in the doorway. Kid. Yeah. And, so, and it's like a double homicide, and they know who the guy is who did it. He was under orders, obviously, to do it. No fi charges were ever filed, and why not? I don't. They charge people for like you know running over somebody's uh, stubbed toe. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
Now, I think this Why is... Why would charges is a, never filed? It makes no a, sense. Yeah, this seems a bit more egregious, though. So we have uh, Anwar al-Awalki. How can it be more egregious? They actually executed some normal housewife. You know, I suppose they have some bogus excuse for this guy. Well, I think it's one thing... Yeah, I think what's more egregious is that the president has a hit list. And he can put you on the hit list. And it's, and, and, you know, it's like a dead or alive thing. Which, of course, George Bush planted that meme firmly, dead or alive, for Osama bin Laden. Oh boy, but, you know, Nixon wished he had this. Yeah. This, this power, you mean? Yeah. So, Anwar al-Awlaki, uh, the CIA, has been expressly authorized by the White House to kill him no matter where he is found. And he is an American citizen. Now, I, you know, this guy may be the worst guy on earth, but we just don't go out and kill American citizens without due process or bringing them in. That's just not how it works. Isn't that just a complete meltdown of That's ridiculous. We don't, this guy's never been on trial. We don't know what he's got to do with anything. It's all hearsay. It's the worst kind of evidence. It's just like, oh, it's like talking about your neighbor and saying, you know, that they did this and they did that. You don't know. And the other possibility exists, though, which I have to consider, is that this guy is uh, is 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 actually some sort of a double agent, and, the, and the, this murder of him is just an extraction process, and he'll never re- really be killed; he'll just be put back into some other situation. American, How about that for an idea? American counterterrorism officials say Mr. Aulaki is an operative of, and here's our favorite, John A L A P A A Q A P Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Yeah, the a new aff- one. The affiliate of the terror network in Yemen and Saudi Arabia. So they're franchised. And they have the affiliation papers to pay for it, and they get 10 cents for every <laughs> that's, link. That's right. <laughs> it's like a giant AdSense. <laughs> AdSense on the Arabian Peninsula. Well, we'll just call it AdSense. El AdSense. They say they believe that he has... They say they believe... They, be- say they, believe. they say they believe he has become a recruiter for the terrorist network, feeding prospects into plots aimed at the United States and Americans abroad. Officials said, of course, who spoke on condition of anonymity. The danger Alwaki poses to this country is no longer confined to words. Oh, really? He's gotten involved in plots. Yeah, this is a new one. I'm hearing a lot of plots. Plots. There's a plot. So, um, yeah. Death penalty imposed without due process. It's 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 weird, and people are not. Rep- and well, what's really double weird about it is that Obama, being a high, a very liberal Democrat, and supported by very and, liberal and, and anti- a constitutional law scholar. Yeah, well, and it, but the typical voter for him is against the death penalty. Let alone, what would they think about this? Is not this is a, this isn't even a, the death penalty by due process. It's just out and out murder. How can they? How can his supporters uh, support this? I, it's beyond me. I mean, I can see where our, some conservatives would think it's fine, but you know, I can't see these, the, the, his, the, the Obama supporters supporting this at all. They should be up in arms about it. I mean, every two-bit, you know, super uh, rapist is a, a, a serial killer in California. Every time they want to put him in the gas chamber, they have, you know, midnight vigils that go on for weeks on end. Yeah. Oh, don't so look over here. The whole, but I still think this is something. This whole thing stinks to high heaven. I think that this is this whole. It may just be giving the guy credibility so I can go deeper. I don't know. 
Who knows? Or or he's a, a CIA agent gone rogue who they have to take out. But still, you well, know, that could be true. You can't. This is it. We. This is where we. This is where our. Unless we get some sort of tip off based on you know some piece of information that gets sent, like in a newspaper article, where there's a little one subtle piece of information that could tip you off. We're com- it's it's completely impossible to determine what the deal is with this whole story. We're just in the dark. Speaking of uh, sketchy reports, a new report circulating the Kremlin, uh, authored by France's Dictorat General for External Security, DGSE, uh, which was obtained by uh, Russian, uh, by Kremlin intelligence, quotes French President Nicolas Sarkozy, who of course recently was hanging out with our president, Stating President Barack Obama is possibly insane. <laughs> According to the report, Sarkozy, or Sarkozy was appalled at Obama's vision of what the world should be under his guidance and amazed at the American president's unwillingness to listen to either reason or logic. Sarkozy's meetings uh, meeting where these impressions of Obama were forced took place, uh, of course, fourteen uh, about two weeks ago in the White House. And upon his leaving, he says he scolded Obama and the U.S. for not listening close enough to what the rest of the world has to say, which is actually, uh, that was reported by uh, uh, Associated Press. But uh, the actual words, because it is a translation, uh, dangereux, aliéné which means uh, a, 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 a lunatic. He might be insane. I can see, sir, I can, I can see Sarkozy saying that. <laughs> Don't you think? Of course, he's the lunatic. He's, a tip, he's a totally busy. Typical <laughs> French, they always think if you don't agree with everything they do, then you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the AV- that's, by the way, that's my t- travel tip people are always looking for. When you go to France, and I've never had a bad time in France. I love going there. But one of the things you have to do is you have to appreciate what they're up to in terms of their wine and food and everything, the designs, the way they lay out their stores. And you have to constantly compliment them. And so what you, so if you go to France and you go, oh, my God, this is like the best thing I've ever had. Instead of being trying to be the glib American who's trying to be cool, you actually become very emotive and you emote everything. You say, this is fantastic. This is I would if we only had stuff like this in the United States, it would be much better there and things like that. They, and the French recognize you, even though you're an American, they recognize you as someone who's an obvious genius to see how great they are. And and the fact that you're n- noticing how great they are means you have must be the smartest person in the world. Now, the thing that's interesting is that when you do this, they're suckers for compliments to an extreme, let's put it that way. But when you do this, all kinds of free stuff starts showing up. It's amazing how oh, much really? free stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about major, major, major free freebies that you start getting from these French guys. It's astonishing. What do you think of this? What about this? What about this? Here, take this home. Really? Here, oh, yeah. here have, have, my, have my sister. <laughs> Pretty much. Just short of that. At least, you know, maybe, maybe that can happen. Really? Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Hmm. I think we need a trip yeah. to France. That's funny. You just follow my lead. That's, Don't act your normal self. That's funny. And just a couple of things from Gitmo Nation uh, 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 OG. A couple of, uh, I must say, I just received my California state income uh, income tax refund. It was a real check. 
Uh, it wasn't huge. Was it but an IOU? No, it was not an IOU. Unlike Hawaii, North Carolina, and New York, who are delaying refunds this year, Minnesota has delayed some business tax refunds, and Alabama is waiting to send out millions of dollars in refunds because they're out of cash. Uh, Missouri did this last year, actually, to beef up its cash reserves. The, the, now, the, the queer thing about this, of course, is it's not the state's money. It's our money. It's like, it's like it's your dough, and they're holding on to it. And I find that uh, disconcerting, to say the least. In, uh, where is this? In uh, Ohio, in Jefferson County, they've actually, you know, they do want to send back the... Uh, income tax returns, but of course they're cutting the budget and uh, the sheriff whose uh, staff went down by, what is it? I'm looking for it. Uh, He had a huge cut and uh, people say, well, you know, what are we going to do about uh, security? Well, he says, um, you can arm yourself. That might be the best thing to do. Arm yourself and protect yourselves. And Judge Mackey, who was a part of... uh, some of the budget cuts said the same thing. People have to arm themselves. Hey, we're going back to the good old days, John. Open carry. Yeah. Boy, that's big. Open carry. And there's one thing I wanted to ask you about before we leave, because it's kind of like a real news thing, but it, it, it caught my eye yesterday, and I, I tried to find a clip, and of course I was watching it on the, the cable box that doesn't have uh, Rewind. In, uh, in the kitchen. Uh, and it's about the Civil War. And this has kind of been bothering me. So the, uh, what is it, uh, McDonnell, what is he, a congressman? What the hell is he? Um, uh, I'm sorry, Virginia governor proclaimed April as Confederate History Month. And so in this uh, proclamation, he forgot to mention slavery. And and so everyone got up in arms, and the president said, oh, this is horrible. And, of course, he says he rescinded. He said, I'm sorry. You know, that was clearly an oversight. But now I'm watching, like, CNN, and, uh, and, it's, and, and what I'm hearing is, well, the Civil War was about slavery. I'm like, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was a part of it, but the Civil War was not about slavery. And I'm actually seeing debates of people out loud saying, you need to read your history book. The Civil War was about slavery. John, please help me, because I believe you were uh, in the Confederate Army at the time. What exactly was the Civil War about? Was it not about the... Section the Union Army. Was it not about the succession of the states and states' rights? It was basically about states' rights and the fact that a lot of the states were... I mean, there there was underlying these... Origins of the Civil War wasn't was an issue of slavery because the Southern states were starting to feel that the the federal government, which was really just set up as a as just a little bureaucracy to keep every you know to keep commerce at a steady at at an even keel and to and to resolve issues between the states, they started to feel at some point. And by the way, this is all debatable, but you know there's a lot of you can read. Kenneth Stamp's got a really good book about the origins of the Civil War, where he's found a bunch of essays that. that of the time that all kind of describing, and when you read the, the the stuff from at the moment, it seemed to be that you just didn't want to get pushed around by this central government. They were totally against, and uh, they thought that the central government was taking too many liberties, and they decided to uh, 
to split off and form their own government, the Confederate States of, of America. And uh, they started it, of course, by attacking Fort Sumter. And uh, and it just kind of it kind of deteriorated, and then it, and once Lincoln freed the slaves, then it became only about became only about slavery, and that's when it got every all these these. By the way, there's there's another issue here, which is that this was instigated. At least it was believed until World War One that much of this war between the states was instigated by Britain and France, who wanted to grab. Most of our country, yeah, they wanted they wanted to break it up, get the gold out of California, right? We just Divide and conquer earlier, and so the whole thing has very screwy beginnings. Uh, that it, I mean, if it wasn't for England and France, it's quite possible that we would never have had a civil war. So this uh, this douchebag uh, Don Lemon on CNN. Have you ever seen this guy? He's on a lot. Don C Lemon, I think he is, and uh, and it's important for me to mention that he's black. And he has these two Civil War reenactment people on, who, of course, are in their regalia, in their getups. And he he literally says, you know, people who reenact the Civil War, it's offensive to me as a black man. I'm like, what? What? Because that represents, you know, when you reenact the Civil War, that's all about slavery and you're celebrating slavery. I'm like, What? (laughs) <laughs> and then he gets this other black guy on who is, is also a Civil War reenactor. And this guy, and, it, and he was on via satellite. And this is why I, I, I got to find this clip. I'll find it if I can. If anyone has it, uh, send it to me. You know, got to play it on Thursday. So, the, so this other guy, this uh, black Civil War reenactor, he starts saying, this was not about slavery. Yes, it was a part of it. And then Don Lemon does, oh, I'm sorry, I got to cut you off. We got to go to commercial. Before the guy can even get in and start his explanation. And it happened three times. But he actually was saying, oh, so you think slavery is good? Slavery is a good thing. It's like, no, I don't think that. Well, when you, when you celebrate, uh, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, when you celebrate Confederate History Month, you're celebrating uh, slavery. It's like, no. And does this, do you think, have anything to do with the, with the fact that there are 12 or 13 states who are now suing over the health care bill and... Are talking about states' rights and uh, and are they trying to steer this conversation away from what the Civil War actually was about and trying to I guess marginalize that out of the conversation and and I'd like to know uh, for our younger uh, listeners out there what is in your history book in school because there's a lot of, a lot of talk on this show about here's what the history books tell us. And here's yeah. the, and then the other They're rewritten the books have been rewritten time after time. If you want to read about the Civil War, the causations, and the rest of it, I mean, Kenneth Stamps got a good selection of essays. I, I don't have it here, and I can't remember the title, but I'll, I'll get it for next week, uh, which is very interesting to read because there's some really wild theories that came out uh, in the 1870s and 1880s. But if you read any history book. Try to go, you know, go to one of these library swap meets where they sell all their books off, and find some old book from an American history book from the late 1800s, and sit down and read it. And you're going to read like it's like reading like stuff you've never heard of because the, the history has been massaged and rewritten and massaged and rewritten. It's like the Japanese do with World War II. They have rewritten the history of the World War II to the point where the young people in Japan think that you know that all it was was about was about bombing them with an atom bomb uh there's no right. other 
really nothing else to it. It was just a bunch of pricks from the United States bombing us with an atom bomb. And, uh, you know, the, the, you, you go back closer to the source, you know, closer to 1860, and you, and you start to see, you know, a, a different picture painted. And it has been reinterpreted and reinterpreted and reinterpreted. And then politically cor- political correctness crept in and agendas crept in. And the next thing you know, what you're reading, which is one of the reasons homeschooling is better than public schooling. Uh, you, what you're reading is garbage. It's just a, it's a mishmash of. I mean, it's good to read, but you're, you're not reading anything real. It's just terrible. The president says, "Quote: I don't think you can understand the Confederacy and the Civil War unless you understand slavery." That just it, that just sounds slanted. I, I think people are inciting racial hatred in America. Oh, yeah. It's, I it's, think so, They too. really are. They're and, going out of their way. And I think there is, in a way, still a North and South fight going on for industry. Or, you know, there's maybe the Confederacy and the Union uh, divide never ended. It's, but it's, well, it's, it's weird. The, the, if you talk to Southerners, that you know, they tell you that the Baptist Church, for sure, is still stuck in 1860. Um, and, the but, general, and the general vibe around the world... Um, and I remember this quite well from watching a Top Gear episode, which really accentuated. It got me quite mad, actually. Where oh, the one where he drove around the South? Yeah, I drove. They drove around the South with like you know, I'm gay on the side of his car and stuff like that. And of course, they pick a, a bunch of bunch of choice rednecks yelling at him and trying to beat him up. There is a general uh, vibe around the world that people in the South of America are all racist. They all hate black people, and you know, I just don't find that to be true. Uh, it's not true, and the and the fact is, yeah, there's rednecks down in the south, but like somebody pointed out to me once, she says, anytime there's like a disaster, something happens in the state of Texas, the news media looks for the dumbest guy they can find to get them to say something really stupid yeah. to make it look like all Texans are idiots, which and they do this are not throughout the south. And if you actually go to the south, you find this is you know they got great universities and colleges and you know one of the best technical universities that keeps up with uh caltech and mit is georgia tech it's right in the middle of atlanta there's not they're not producing a bunch of dummies and there's a lot of smart people all over the south and there's a lot of dummies but it's the same thing in the north you can stereotype is really uh designed to be hurtful and it's part of the I, I would blame the New York Times and the and the, the impetus of the media, the northern media, the northern dominated big media, uh, for this whole thing. I mean, if you talk, if you watch CNN, those people aren't aren't stupid, and they're all in Atlanta. So I would uh, advise people to go to the show notes at noagendashow.com dot com because you just brought up a very interesting point. And under the Ministry of Truth heading, there is an article. You sent that to me, John, I presume, for the show notes. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, the new, It's from, uh, was it Jihad Watch? Is that who wrote this? Yeah, Jihad Watch did a deconstruction. I, I mean, bigger one than I would ever do. Yeah, it's long. An extreme of an article that ran on April 2nd in the New York Times, uh, which was titled Muslims Try to pray in spanish cathedral and the new york times if you read the uh if you read the jihad watch version of the story and you read the new york times version you realize that the, there's there is a subtle uh kind of um well the article really starts off by saying you know the new york times didn't warn anyone about uh, jews being killed the new york times didn't warn anyone in about world war ii yeah world war ii uh, new york times you know if they had maybe things would have been different. Essentially, they're saying the New York Times is 
full of shit. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah that's, that's essentially what it says. But it's really good to read that because, you know, the New York Times is the paper of record. And, and of course, we all know that they have your birth date correct. But I'll tell you, this deconstruction is quite good. It's quite good. I mean, it really breaks down the New York Times article and how it's a, it's a piece of propaganda. Pro-Muslim, by the way, propaganda, uh, trying to ignore the fact that there is a uh, at least some uh, Muslims that are out there trying to cause trouble. Yeah. You know, they're also on Facebook causing trouble. You know how many times I get friended by... Or we get a friend request from Muslims telling me that, you know, I should join all these great groovy people in their group. So quite a yeah. lot. Yeah. And I wonder if they, and I, of course, Maybe I, they want you to join the great groovy people in their group. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so, because I'm more worried that there are a bunch of CIA shills who will then come back and say he even had friends of uh, Al-Qaeda yeah. on the Arabian yeah, Peninsula the, on his Facebook. Problem. Of yeah. course, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, honey pots. Uh, John, enjoyable as always. Uh, we have a new uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged uh, on NoAgendaStream.com and a new uh, daily source code for your listening pleasure. Um, and we'll uh, be back uh, later on in the week. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from uh, the Buzzkill Lodge in uh, the Pacific Northwest, where it's actually quite pleasant. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Early service right here on No Agenda.